please be seated as I think about what might be a part of my lunch today. <laughs> Thank you, Genevieve. You'll get it back someday. Can you see that your leadership staff really love each other? That's what we do to each other. So our gospel lesson is a continuum of the last, well, not really continuum, uh, the lesson today from the gospel according to Luke is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Luke 11, 1 through 13. It is a story following right behind last Sunday's story. Let us hear God's word to us. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answered from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Psalm 149 begins with the command, praise the Lord. And we are to praise his name with dancing, making melody, in, melody to God with tambourine and lyre. Thinking about how much more something is than something else, I want to share a treasured video of mine of two musicians playing music in the wilds of Tasmania bush near um, Gelston Bay, south of Australia mainland. They played extemporaneously, creating music in rhythm and movement. They communicate through music without ever even looking at each other. So I would like to share that video now.
they are father and son. Father is Jeffrey, actually my husband Will's first cousin, and son Cameron. Amazingly in tune and in sync with one another, a rare display of child-parent harmony. I think this is what it looks like when a child and parent live as a gift to one another. If you remember, the world was introduced to Winnie the Pooh as he went hunting honey from a beehive at the top of a tree. He tried climbing, but he fell back down. Then Pooh had an idea that he thought was much more workable. In consultation with Christopher Robin, Pooh decides he will float up on a blue balloon, which will look like the blue sky. Pooh hanging underneath and covered with mud will look like a dark rain cloud. Up he floats, but stays 20 feet short of the beehive. The bees don't seem to be convinced that Pooh is a cloud and they start to investigate. Pooh needs something much more effective in convincing the bees that he is a rain cloud, so he asks Christopher Robin to go get an umbrella and walk up and down the path beneath the tree saying, tut, tut, it looks like rain. Pooh seemed to think how much more convincing it would be if he sung a little song about a cloud. How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue, every little cloud always sings aloud. How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue. It makes Pooh very proud to be singing like a little cloud. Our scripture lesson today takes some serious thought. It begins in the gospel according to Luke right after the story of Mary and Martha. At the end of that story, Martha and Mary or Mary and Martha, we are left hanging because we do not know what happened next. That story just ends, or stops rather. This was a deliberate technique of Jesus. This technique requires the reader or the hearer to supply our own ending, which Jesus does not supply. Think of last week's story of Martha and Mary. What did happen after Jesus defended Mary and said she should sit at his feet and listen? We don't know because Luke, the gospel writer, moves on immediately to his next story, which was today's story. That story begins as Jesus and his followers gathered again, and they were on the road again facing Jerusalem, walking towards the dangers of Jerusalem. A conversation started as they were walking on the road by a disciple asking Jesus, teach us to, pay, to pray the way John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. I think this was not the conversation Jesus wanted to have at that time. Jesus surely wanted to talk and prepare his disciples for the suffering and death that he was about to face in Jerusalem. Teaching about prayer was not the need of the moment. Jesus needed to teach his disciples about what was really going to help them get through what was about to happen. Jesus' answer does not focus on the prayer, but on how we relate to God and how God relates to us. Jesus' answer to the disciple comes in four parts. First, the three verses of the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. 
Second, the parable of the unloving neighbors. Third, the command to ask in order to receive. It also reminds me of the fundraising schools theory. They say to raise fun, you just have to ask, 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 like Genevieve was telling the children. And Jesus' fourth point is an if and then set of questions. If you ch your child asks for a fish, then will you give a snake? If your child asks for an egg, then will you give a scorpion? Actually, I have to go off a little bit of my own sermon here. That's very contextualized um, part of the Bible. You know, this was written in the Middle East, and Jesus was alive and walking around with his disciples in the middle of the Middle East. If you ask some people, all some, some parts of the world, snake is a very expensive delicacy, so is scorpion. But then again, I'm told that it is true even in some parts of this country. But coming back to uh, Jesus' ifs and then kind of questions, if even evil parents can give good gifts, then how much more God, our Heavenly Father, will give the gift, the good gift of Holy Spirit. Commentators note that Jesus' words seem very direct, saying, pray like this. And his model for praying was exceedingly short. While Jesus did teach the disciples how to pray, at this particular time, his teaching was about much more. The teaching opens with Jesus, like many of his Jewish contemporaries, addressing God as Father. Not just Father, but as our Father. Suddenly, the conversation is inclusive and intimate and familial. Significantly, the teaching in this story ends with Jesus asking, how much more will our Father in heaven give than we evil parents are able to give? More than prayer, Jesus is teaching us about God here, about ourselves and about the divine and human relationship. Prayer is not the goal in this story. A relationship of awe and loving God is the goal. And prayer is what helps us get there. I believe Jesus is teaching us about God. God is beyond our comprehension. God can be known in a child and parent-like relationship. To pray to God is to remember that we do not always come by ourselves before God. We sometimes are to come as a member of a community. We have been chosen to be children of God and brothers and sisters in Christ in the kingdom of heaven. As an apostle Paul urges us in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39, we ought to start with acknowledgement of the greatness of God who is limited by neither time nor space, nor death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor thing to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. But God is everywhere, including in heaven. In our approach to God, we honor God's greatness by hallowing or making holy the name of God. The goal is advancing the coming of the kingdom and the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. God is the only one who provides for our need for food or bread every day. 
God is the one who forgives and expects us to forgive one another. God is the only power that can save us from trial, suffering, and evil. We are to be persistent in seeking relationship with God, both by repeated prayers and by faithful actions. We must ask God in order to receive, and if we ask, we will receive what God sees we need. And God, our Heavenly Father, who knows all things best, will give us much more than we can ever imagine. Learning to pray within an awestruck and loving relationship with God is not about copying somebody else's words. There is no magical formula to prayer. There is no perfect way to pray. In fact, prayer is not our goal. It is the tool to communicate with God. For Jesus, what is much more important is the nature of our relationship with God, our Father. Our relationship with those who pray with us is also very important. Jesus' teaching then is about God and ourselves in relationship. Prayer is a conversation that started with God's word creating the world. It continued in the relationship between God and the people of Israel. It continued in its most powerful form with Jesus, the word of God incarnate. God's ever-ready grace for us in our human actions continue that conversation. God continues to speak to us in a multitude of ways through our lives today. In the Feasting of the Word commentary, Cynthia Jarvis, pastor and Bible scholar, says, How else but in conversation with Jesus through the words of Scripture and the witness of his church, could we trust that God is a God who will come after us when we are lost, dine with us when we are cast out by all others, and welcome us home after we have wasted our lives? But there is another word in the lesson that I did not notice before. Jesus tells us that God's gift is much more than our imperfect human gifts. And that much more gift is the Holy Spirit. God gives what we cannot, such as the beauty of the world, the smile of a baby, a laughter of a child, the wonder of life, the power of the scriptures, the yearning of the human soul. All these are worth much more. God's gift that is much more than any parent's gift, Jesus says, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is not a thing, but it is the present embodiment of the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us. The Apostle Paul assures us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought to pray, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep, too deep for words. Through the Spirit, we relate with love to the wholeness of God. Through the Spirit, we fulfill what we are first commanded, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
This takes me back to Jeffrey and Cameron and the beautiful music they make that is almost as beautiful as the family love they have for each other. The beauty of God's gift of the Holy Spirit is that our relationship with God is made much more beautiful than before. The Holy Spirit completes our ability to be God's children, loving God, loving one another, and loving neighbor near and far. By practicing faith in relationship with God, we will know how much more God will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit each day to each of us. Thanks be to God. Amen.